Welcome to the How Dentists Get Paid podcast, powered by eAssist. In this episode, part two of our two-part series on healthcare in the U.S. and its effect on dentists, we'll talk about dissatisfaction with the American healthcare system, some potential sources of issues in the system, and policy proposals for change. If you have any comments or questions, email me at brandon at howdentistgetpaid. Enjoy the show! It's a relatively commonly known fact that we spend double what other developed countries do on our healthcare system, with worse overall outcomes. So a good question would be, where is all this money going? The answer involves dissecting our current system to identify all the stakeholders, and following the money provided by the variety of payers, private, insurance, and government, to see who makes out with what. These stakeholders in our overall healthcare system would include pharmaceutical companies, hospitals, providers and medical equipment suppliers, to name a few. But at the same time, this is a dental podcast, and the economics of dentistry are actually pretty profoundly different in some respects than the economics of medical care. For one, dental insurance doesn't work the same way as health insurance. For the most part, dental insurance has a much smaller payout multiple compared to its premium than does health insurance. That means dental insurance is more like a discount program than coverage in the sense of a comprehensive medical plan. There's a company called Bento, which has an interesting take on dental insurance. On their website, the first thing you see is, quote, do the math, dental insurance is not real insurance, unquote. Below that are three columns. On the left is health insurance, which they claim averages about $6,000 in annual premiums and pays out 1,000 times that amount in coverage. In the middle is auto insurance, with $1,000 in annual premiums and 80 times that in coverage payouts. And then comes traditional dental insurance on the right column, which they say costs about $600 in annual premiums, that sounds about right to me, but pays out a mere three times that amount in coverage. Their whole approach is to offer dental insurance that offers a multiple closer to what we'd expect with, you know, health and auto insurance. In my personal experience, looking at plans on the federal healthcare exchange, I've noticed there's a much upside, at least to those plans in particular. While the monthly premiums are relatively affordable, the payout maximums are accordingly pretty low. I've decided to forego dental insurance and pay out of pocket. I will acknowledge though that I'm a young guy in pretty good health, so I don't know if any dental insurance would make sense for me, seeing as I don't see any problems in the near term. But still, I'm not alone. More than 70 million Americans are without dental insurance. Another difference between medical and dental care is the level of consolidation in care providers. Hospitals are eating each other, creating regional monopolies that allow for the accumulation of market power. In this respect, the economics of medicine follows the same laws as every other market. Increased market power for a seller means higher prices. A report by the Wall Street Journal found prices in areas where hospitals had a local monopoly were up to 30% higher for some services. Another article by Forbes described hospital behemoth Sutter Health an organization in Northern California which has acquired 24 hospitals and 5,000 physicians. That's billions in uh, employment uh, salary, by the way, just to put that in perspective. In their home in Northern California, where the market is much more consolidated than in Southern California, patients pay 70% higher inpatient prices and 55% higher outpatient prices. Now, a group of plaintiffs has actually brought a lawsuit against Sutter Health, accusing them of illegally pushing competitors out of the market and raising prices for patients. But this is happening in some form or another all across the country. 
And that's not it. Another Wall Street Journal article reported on the phenomenon of large hospitals making contracts with insurers that, quote, allow hospitals to hide prices from consumers, add fees, and discourage use of less expensive rivals, unquote. Overall, there's a stunning lack of transparency and abuse in the medical system, with different hospitals paying different confidentially negotiated prices for medical devices and other products and services. So why are we talking about this? I want to give you a sense of some of the drivers of the dysfunction in our healthcare system, which may precipitate massive changes like Medicare for All or any of the other policy proposals floating around in the pre-2020 election political sphere, uh, which in turn will affect dentistry. Now, dentistry is of course much different from medicine in the respects we just discussed. Hospitals generally don't provide dental services, so they're out of the picture. And in reality, in 2015, 80% of dentists own their practices, and therefore the vast majority of dental care is provided by sole practitioners and small business owners. Pharmaceutical drugs are also a relatively insignificant part of dental care compared to the world of medical care. I remember reading a story about the phenomenon of oncologists selling their group practices to hospitals or larger nonprofit groups because of the rising cost of cancer treatments. The article explained that the larger hospital groups are able to negotiate much better prices with drug makers, and the prices negotiated by the smaller physician groups aren't sustainable. All of this results in the market for dental services being much less convoluted than that for medical services. That's not to say it's perfect, of course, but there are far fewer players and much more transparency. So then, it would seem policy approaches to medical care and dental care should differ. At this point in the election season, you're not seeing incredibly detailed plans. Um, but, you know, maybe in the general election um, and maybe after that, you're going to see more detail. I mean, maybe after an election occurs and, you know, if a candidate comes into uh, the presidency who's going to do something, you know, related to change in medical care, um, you may see then a distinction between how dentistry and how medicine is approached. So here's where we get to the real exciting stuff, which is what is currently being floated in the 2020 Democratic presidential primary. The podcast is not partisan, so I would cover Republican proposals if there were prominent ones, but there's very little as far as health policy coming out of the Republican Party right now. We can assume their position is more or less maintenance of the status quo, which obviously should have dentists faring as they are now. Now, there are two main categories of healthcare proposal in the Democratic presidential field right now. The first is Medicare for All, single-payer national health insurance. Then comes Medicare for All Who Want It, also called the public option. Let's start with Medicare for All, espoused by two of the leading Dem presidential candidates, Senators Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders. At the time of writing, Warren has just released a plan for how to pay for this, which would cover every single American providing comprehensive medical, dental, and vision coverage at no cost to the patient. This plan would see us, as in Canada, do away with private health insurance completely in favor of a single government health insurance plan. But it would actually go further than Canada in the sense that dental is not covered there, uh, where it would be here. Now, while the single payer in this system will be the federal government, doctors and dentists will not suddenly be employed by some federal health service in DC. This would work pretty much exactly like a much more comprehensive Medicare. 
so there will still be solo and group practices, hospital groups, etc. I skimmed through Warren's plan for how to pay for Medicare for All, and it's impressively complete, at this point of of the uh, field at least. Every penny of the increased government expenditure is covered through increases in taxes on corporations and the wealthy, and what Nobel Prize-winning economist Paul Krugman calls some pretty clever sources of funding, like redirecting payments already made by employers for employee coverage to this system. If you want to read more, go ahead and search for the plan on Warren's 2020 campaign site or, or Google, or look for an article that analyzes it. But the important part for us is that nowhere does it talk about cuts to provider payments. Now, if you're familiar with government healthcare plans like Medicaid, you'll be thinking reimbursement rates from the government will be lower than those from private insurance. At this point in the Dem primary, the specifics on that just aren't there, and I suspect it's not there because it wouldn't be got good politics, even if it you know, were the case. Um, but I think it's certainly likely, if not highly probable, that under such a system, provider reimbursements will be lower than they have been with private insurance. Now, if Medicare for All were implemented, as the decades go by and our population continues to age and require more care and our birth rate goes down, you know, with all aging uh, mature societies, I would not at all be surprised if the cost pressure put on the system uh, drives the government to lower reimbursements for providers, or at the very least, the rate of growth for reimbursements might stagnate. So the real wage for providers would slowly decrease over time, Sort of like how the minimum wage has not been keeping up with inflation, so workers making minimum wage today are worse off than in years past, right? Even after continual raises. If reimbursement rates are lowered enough, you might also see increasing consolidation in dentistry, uh, more so even than is taking place right now, where only larger dental groups or DSOs can centralize certain functions and cut costs enough to make delivering care profitable with those lowered reimbursement rates. A similar phenomenon occurs because of something else called regulatory burden in other industries, where government regulation becomes so stringent and difficult to comply with that compliance requires costs that smaller companies cannot absorb. So larger companies gulp them up, and these larger companies have teams of lawyers and they have compliance divisions. At the same time, in each of the countries we examined earlier, the UK and Sweden, independent owner dentists are practicing and thriving. So I think it would be alarmist to say the independent dentist is done for if Medicare for All becomes law, but it's certainly something to watch out for. Now, the benefit of Medicare for All to dentists might be significantly reduced administrative costs, submitting claims to one insurer rather than a handful. If it works as intended, it might also make treating patients easier, removing the need for patients to check with insurance companies for what is covered, and instead strengthening the doctor-patient relationship. Now, Medicare for All Who Want It is really just halfway to Medicare for All. It's a way to more easily transition to a single-payer system by allowing Americans to choose between their private health insurance and a public option like Medicare. Pete Buttigieg is the loudest proponent of this plan, which he says will allow for a transition to Medicare for All if, and only if, the public option turns out to be popular. This way, if Americans overwhelmingly decide to go for government health insurance, the plan will outcompete private insurers, allowing the market to select for the public option and resulting in something similar to Medicare for all. But there's a potential problem with the public option we're not talking about. Um, a series of articles by theconversation.com, an independent and nonprofit publication, 
looked at five healthcare systems across the world compared to that of Australia's, which is where the publication was founded. Uh, in their discussion of Norwegian and Swedish healthcare, the article talks about recent efforts in Sweden by lawmakers introducing the ability of employers to offer private health insurance. Here's a snippet from the article, and then we'll talk about it. So Sweden's center-right coalition government, elected in 2010, has allowed firms to provide private insurance as part of employee benefits, with it aimed to getting priority treatment. About 4% of Swedes at the time of writing, which I think is 2014, uh, are covered by these schemes, but their contribution to spending is very small because they cover a young and fit segment of the population. If they do start to have an influence on health costs and accessibility, Swedes will soon realize, as Australians do now, that shifting some people to the front of the queue shifts others back, while the cost of the distortion is widespread. All right. So the idea is, by allowing any private insurance at all, which in turn allows for priority access to care, the fewer resources for others results in increased costs that ripples through the system and raises costs for everyone. So what might happen, and I stress that might, right, uh, with Medicare for all who want it, is that by allowing those who want it to buy private insurance, so those who do want to buy private insurance for priority access to care or better quality of care, by allowing that, costs grow unsustainable for the public option, which then becomes untenable as a whole. By restricting private insurance, the idea is costs are contained to an extent. I've covered a lot in this episode, but really, it's barely the tip of the iceberg. Honestly, this stuff is so incredibly complicated because fundamentally, it is about the nature of very complex markets. But I hope you have a general idea of healthcare delivery in other countries, the potential policy change on the horizon in the U.S., and the consequences to you and your practice in the general dental field. There is no proposal for socialized healthcare out there right now which would see the government employ all providers and run hospitals across the country. Uh, rather, the most progressive, and you know, if we're being honest, least likely proposal, is for national health insurance, similar to what Canada has, with no private insurance allowed. The result of such a system, I think, is pretty invariably going to be downward pressure on salaries of dentists and other providers, if it were to come to fruition. On the other hand, reduced administrative costs and a removal of insurance companies from the doctor-patient relationship would provide some substantial benefits to dentists, I think, at least. In the end, I think support of something like Medicare for All or a public option in the U.S. is simply a question of balancing priorities and viewpoints, all of which are equally valid. Dentists work hard to get where they are, and they provide good care to the majority of Americans. The vast majority, in fact. Is it right for the government to put downward pressure on salaries in that way after dentists have worked so hard to get to the place where they're at? On the other hand, tens of millions of Americans aren't getting adequate med medical or dental care. What is the responsibility of us to those fellow citizens? These are questions I can't answer for you, obviously, but I hope this episode has given you some food for thought and will allow you to better approach the political debate on healthcare in this upcoming 2020 presidential election and elsewhere. See you next time.
I do want to thank eAssist for allowing this podcast to happen, for sponsoring the podcast. Um, if you're looking for outsourced dental billing, eAssist is the number one outsourced dental billing provider. You can increase your income by outsourcing your billing, taking the pain out of getting paid. There are no software changes needed. They don't get paid unless you get paid. They help your staff. They don't replace your staff. And there are no long-term contracts. It's less stress, more peace of mind. You know, I work with them. They help with this podcast. Uh, They're all great people. And I can guarantee you're not going to regret working with them yourself. Go to dentalbilling.com for more info. And actually, there's one more thing. Um, I wanted to give you all an update on where this podcast is at and where it's heading in the near future. Sorry about the poor audio quality. I've already packed up and sent off all my recording equipment, so I'm doing this on my computer. Um, So here's the story. Um, uh, The podcast is continuing. It's ending its first season. This is the last episode of the first season. Um, And I believe it's going to be handed off to Henry Shaw at eAssist, but I'm not 100% sure on that. I do know that the folks at eAssist who have been supporting and helping produce this podcast have some big plans, so this definitely isn't the end. Um, here's a little update about me and, and you know why this is happening. Um, as you may know, I applied to dental school earlier in the summer, and I'll hear back December 2nd, in about two weeks, depending on when you're listening to this. And uh, my plan in the first half of 2020, before I matriculate, hopefully, is to spend a few months in Belarus and Eastern Europe to focus on Russian immersion. And it sounds pretty out of the blue, but the story is I decided in early fall, uh, around September, that for this academic year, which is a gap year for me between classes, uh, pre-dental coursework last year and dental school hopefully next year, I wanted to focus on music and languages. So I've been taking piano lessons and also French and Russian courses at my local university. And spring 2020 is the perfect opportunity for me to experience full immersion in another country and probably the last time I'll be going abroad for a while, if everything goes as planned. Um, anyway, thank you all for listening. It's been a real privilege to do this podcast, and thank you to eAssist, specifically Sarah Kirsting and Dr. Anderson for giving me this opportunity. Stay tuned and uh, keep learning.